Welcome to One Heart, One Mind, a podcast of the Nampa, Idaho South Stake to inspire and give hope in our efforts to build Zion. And now your host, Kim Keller. Hello, my name is Kim Keller, and I'm the host of today's podcast of One Heart, One Mind, Nampa. We're joined today with Sam Lundgren and Tyler Lee. Now, we invited these two fine young men to be with us with us today to get their perspective on what it was like to be a bishop uh, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're going to share some insights on their journey of uh, being a leader um, at this, uh, this part of the church uh, and also to juggle being a family, uh, head of a family, too. So let's talk about it. Um, first of all, welcome, Sam. Glad to have you. Tyler, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. It's good to be here. Let's talk about when um, each of you uh, received a call to become a bishop uh, in the church. Uh, what, what were your feelings like? Well, first of all, when, how long ago did you serve as a bishop, Tyler? Um, I was released a couple of years ago, so uh, about seven years ago would have been. When you were called? Yeah. Yeah. Sam? Yeah, I was actually been released for about 10 years. Um, I was called in October of 2007 and then for five years, so until about October of 2012. So coming up nine years, I guess, this year. Yeah. Great. Seems like it was just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were both young bucks back then, I remember. You look <laughs> a lot older now. <laughs> just kidding. So what were some of your feelings when you were called to that calling, Tyler? Well, right out of the right out of the gate, it was scary. Um, a phone call from from uh, stake president wanting to meet with you on a a Friday morning at ten o'clock. That's not a normal <laughs> a normal interview that you would expect. And uh, it was uh, as, as president Stukey extended that call to me. It was one of the most humbling moments of my entire life. Um, short of some of those things that happen in, in your family, that was very humbling and uh, certainly felt uh, a burden right at that point. It, it wasn't uh, it wasn't later, it was right then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were some of the worries that you had when you talk about feeling a burden right away? Was it worry? Was it just uh, concern? What, what were some of the things you're dealing with? Well, I think probably a little of all that. Um, you you kind of have an idea in some respects, at least for me, having served uh, actually in Bishopric when uh, Sam was the bishop, you saw the amount of time that it takes and uh, the sacrifices that a person makes, um, not only for yourself, but for your family. And... Uh, that kind of all hits you at one time, and you realize that that's now uh, going to be something that you'll need to make decisions about. And so, I think probably just overall, it's a big change in a person's life when you look at the amount of time that it um, requires to serve and and be effective in that capacity. I think that's probably the biggest thing that was kind of going in my mind: like, how how am I going to do this, and uh, how am I going to do it well? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sam, what about you? Some of your feelings. Yeah, similar things. I was <clears throat> I, uh, I was 30 years old when I was called, 30 and a half, and, and, and so I was feeling very inadequate, very much, you know, going through my head of, of all the other 
people in my particular ward that I thought this person would do such a better job. This person's so much more experienced. This person is older than me. That was that was a big hurdle that I had to get over. Was I felt very young and inadequate. Um, we we had we had just had our fourth baby in July of '07, and then I was called in October. So my initial concern was was four children um, under the age of, of under the age of eight, I guess, and I just was concerned for the amount of time as well. And and you know, but one of the things that that helped me to to feel confident was just my wife saying. Well, it'll be okay. And I'm looking at her saying, how are you going to get the kids ready on Sunday morning? I knew I was going to be gone, you know, all Sunday and many other nights. And so just, just knowing that the one thing that I loved about the interview, as Tyler mentioned, was, was it's an interview where you're, you're invited to bring your wife and encourage, and, hey, please bring your wife. And, and so really it was an us calling. I think, you know, the, the man serves as the bishop, but but the wife definitely has to come along and be a part of that. And without the support of, 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 a, of a good woman like that, um, it really would make it a whole lot more tough. So for me, it was, it was trying to figure out how to balance. I was very active in coaching my kids in their sporting activities. And I just, I didn't want to give up being a dad to be able to serve well as a bishop. And so I, I, I learned very quickly that, that with good counselors, great counselors, and, and great people in the ward to help uh, do the heavy lifting, I could still be a dad. And I didn't have to be at everything. And I didn't have to do everything. And so that was some of my initial thoughts was, was uh, I'm too young, I'm too inadequate. And, and I learned very quickly that the Lord helped me be equal to the task, not because of anything that I was able to do, but what he was able to do through me, which was very humbling. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Um, you know, I listen to you talk about how it's so helpful when other people are, you know, supporting you and doing their their roles or their callings. It's it's tell me a little bit about your your feelings about I mean, we talk about I'm listening to you say this was a, a challenge and, and a concern because you knew the time would take from your family. But um, many people, at whatever calling they receive in the church, can have those same exact feelings, right? Have, mm-hmm. have, have you felt that when you call people to callings? And so how do you help them? I mean, you went, you both went through this experience. How do you help someone who says, I don't know if I'm up to the task of being a Sunday school teacher, of being uh, you know, a primary teacher, of being an elder scrum president? I mean, whatever the callings may be, uh, it's a similar feeling for everybody, really, when they have a calling. Yeah, everybody kind of has their mountain to climb, so to speak. And I, I think um, one of the fulfilling things about serving as a bishop it was to watch people feel that way when you extended a call to them. And then a year or two years later, um, watch them in their calling and say, wow, this is exactly what the Spirit had made us feel would happen if we would just be obedient to that prompting and to visit with brothers and sisters that would serve in in callings that they didn't feel they could ever do after they had a chance to to try it out and and actually get their feet wet and do it it's amazing I I think that's probably even to this day um, visiting with people that served 
during the time that I was a bishop, just listening to the things that they grew or they were able to grow in when they when they served in those capacities with the same inadequate feelings that, that Sam discussed, that I had, you know, those same kind of feelings. Um, it's awesome just to see how that works in your life. Yeah, wonderful. Well, let's let me ask this question. What, uh, Sam? What, what what is a bishop? I mean, let's. There may be people not members of our church who listen to this podcast, and and even members of our church may not completely understand what a bishop is. They see him sitting up there on the stand, but what if what do you what do you think a bishop is? Yeah, it's funny that the first word that comes to my mind is is tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, a, a bishop is tired. No, that's kind of a joke, but it's not at the same time. Uh, a bishop is a bishop is an imperfect human being who the Lord needs to fulfill a certain responsibility for a given period of time. And a bishop is is not a, a trained professional leader. A bishop is not a, a trained professional counselor. A bishop is simply a person who is just really going about their normal life um, and is asked to help build the kingdom of God in a specific geographical location, um, in our case, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, so a bishop is the leader of a ward, and a ward would typically in our area be maybe 200 to 400 people uh, in a particular geographical area. And... and uh, the bishop is the father uh, of that ward, the, the person who tries his best to look out for the physical, mental, and spiritual needs uh, of his flock. And so a bishop is someone who more than anything is willing to do the Lord's work and, and happened to be living in a geographical area um, where there was a need and the Lord uh, I believe a bishop is called by inspiration uh, from God through the through the local leaders. Um, something that's interesting, I I uh, I know a little bit of now about kind of the background of a bishop is actually a, a a calling that gets approved by the first presidency in the quorum of the twelve apostles of the leadership of our church, whereas other callings um, would be issued to members of the church. Um, by inspiration from local leaders. A bishop is one of the very few callings that actually gets approved from, from the top, so to speak. Um, so you would think, gosh, these people in Salt Lake, they don't know who these men are that are being recommended as bishops, but um, someone that I'm close to uh, in Utah who, who was a member of a stake presidency uh, mentioned that, hey, not every bishop gets approved, meaning there's recommendations that are sent to Salt Lake for approval and, and sometimes for one reason or another a person is not is not approved to be called as a bishop. Uh, that's pretty rare um, but I, I took some comfort in that knowing that that I believe that that our Heavenly Father who knows us better than anyone uh, inspires leaders to be able to to call bishops to lead over a certain group of people and it's not a leader in any kind of a dictatorship, sort of a, you know, my way or the highway. It's very much a collective group of, uh, of, of other uh, leaders within the ward who counsel together with the bishop to be able to make decisions that they feel is the best in, as far as moving the church forward in that particular part uh, of, the, of the world. You know, you said a couple words. Um, uh, you talked about a, a flock. You talked about a father of the ward. Uh, there are 
other religions have similar uh, callings, and think about them. Pastor, you know, you're you're a pastor when you're dealing with that flock, right? Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, you're a minister, and uh, and a father, you know. We, so, and bishop, all those terms are used a lot in just our society to describe the calling that you had for that that five years of time. Agree. Mm-hmm. Tyler, what, what are some of your thoughts on that? I yeah, I agree with all those things. I think um, you're a you have lots of responsibilities. That, you know, if you if you went textbook handbook with it, there's a lot of specific assignments that a bishop is. But um, really, it's it's a person that most everyone looks to in that in that ward for direction and guidance and insight. Um, and he knows everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> or not quite so much. I, 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 but I, yeah, it's funny. A bishop is called one day, the day, the day before yeah. he doesn't know anything. He gets called, and someone says, "Bishop, we're out of toilet paper in the bathroom. Can, can you help me with that?" I was like, "I don't know where the." Toilet What's the paper smell is. coming from the janitor's yeah. closet? Well, I have no idea. Yeah. You check it out. One, Let me know. One day you're allowed to be someone who doesn't know anything, and the next day you have to know everything. So yeah, it's, it's true. It's a. It really is just a, it's a calling that encompasses so many different things that I don't I don't think you can fully I say that meaning a person can't really comprehend it until you kind of experience it to say wow that just happened or I was just asked to do that or mm-hmm. any any of those number of reactions but uh, regardless I, I think that uh, it's a it's a very special opportunity to serve people in all of those unique ways. You know, um, Sam, you mentioned that the bishop is not a, a professional counselor, right? And <laughs> definitely, yet it's it's amazing in that calling you are, uh, in many ways, invited into the most personal things in a person's life. Uh, what does that feel like to you? Yeah, that's that's probably one of the most challenging aspects. Is you know, as a bishop, um, it's it's really a privilege and a blessing. But you are you're asked to uh, to counsel with with people on any number of levels. Um, you know, it could be it could be youth who are you know overcoming challenges in their young lives and making decisions as to you know where they want to go with with education or employment pursuits, and and then you could be dealing with challenges in families. Um, it, it could be one Sunday where you're having a meeting with a couple who's struggling in their marriage or, or a single person who's struggling being single. And, and so it's, it's a challenge to sometimes sit across the table and, and have people pour out to you their feelings and look to you for direction and guidance. And, and it was at those times that for me personally, you know, all of my inadequacies and, and personal imperfections seemed to kind of set aside and, and move away um, so that the voice of the Holy Ghost and the voice of the Spirit and, and inspiration could come. And, and a lot of times I would look across the table and I would say, I don't really know how to fix this. And, you know, not everybody was looking for the answer of how to fix it. But I'm a fix-it person just kind of by nature. And so my tendency was always to just listen really quick and then try to give a solution to fix whatever the problem was. Um, but that's one thing that I, that I grew out of and learned a, a, a great lesson of. Sometimes my job as a bishop was just to hand out tissues and just listen. 
And, and then we direct people oftentimes to professional counselors so they can receive the counsel that they need from trained professionals, which we are not. Um, but it was tough because you had to separate a lot of times the very personal with the business, so to speak. And, and you know, there were very private and personal and confidential things that we would discuss that had to remain private and personal and confidential. And, and it wasn't difficult to do that. Um, but, but that was part of it. And so consequently, you'd carry around some things that you couldn't even share with your spouse. You know, the one person in life that we should be able to rely on and lean on and go hand in hand through whatever fires we face. But, but I even had to protect, you know, my wife uh, and the people's privacy and, and, and not talk about those things. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler? Yeah, I, I share some of the similar, similar feelings. I think, um, that that burden that comes with being involved in those things is a pretty heavy thing to carry around and, and as sam was mentioning how it affects your family and in all those different hats that you wear um that that is that last part that he mentioned about with your wife just um almost having to build this concrete box that you try to put everything in before you show up and be a husband and a father again when you get home uh, is not always the easiest thing to, to do. And, um, it, it's possible. You, you can't hardly dream that how can you just keep things bottled up for so long? But, um, that's certainly something that, that, um, I would tip my hat to of any wife that serves with a husband as a bishop alongside him. It just, that's a, that's a very challenging uh, thing that goes along with serving. Um, yeah, I want to say I think it's super important for you to both to have said that because it's 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 very necessary for our members to know the the lengths that our bishops will go to to keep those conversations private. I mean, yeah. they the, the bishop sees the effects of so many things in the ward and. Um, and and they take seriously this responsibility to keep uh, private things private. Otherwise, people wouldn't feel comfortable yeah. sharing. So I appreciate you both sharing the the, the necessity, and the, the challenge. I believe the Lord helps tremendously in helping us as, as bishops sense uh, what's what needs to just stay between a person and their bishop. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, tell me some of the some of the things that maybe impacted you as a bishop. A, a, a success story that you say, "Wow, that's that was something that that uh, I would never have experienced if I had hadn't been uh, serving as a bishop." Yeah, a couple of things come to my mind. Um, it's hard to define success. You know, you think about that question. Share with us a success story. Well, I don't know really what the what the bar was, so to speak, that we were aiming at to measure where were we successful or were we not but I think in the in the term that we're talking as a as a bishop um, you have the opportunity to meet people um, who for for various reasons in their lives uh, have have started to fall away from being active uh, in the church have have started to fall away from attending church or participating in activities or or even in some instances living the standards of the gospel of Jesus Christ that, that we embrace as church members. 
And I think that as I think about success in the work of the Lord, um, the Lord wins when people decide to make changes in their life and, and come unto Christ and come back into activity in the church. And it's a, it's a pleasure and a, and a blessing to be there. And as a bishop, you're oftentimes one of the first, um, one of the first people that those people would communicate with. And, and, and that, that type of a person might be invited to come and meet with the bishop. Um, and so I think that for, for a bishop and definitely for, for me, and as Tyler mentioned, he, he was a counselor of mine for a time, and we saw some amazing choices that people made to, to change the way they were living and, and come back into activity. And, and you could just see their countenance change. So anytime that, uh, whether it be a, a youth who was struggling or a marriage that was struggling and, and, or someone like this who is coming back into activity, Anytime one of those one of those people or one of those couples would make progress toward getting better at whatever their challenge was, I think I would measure that as success. And those were probably the most impactful things that, you know, really I could take home in my own life and say, gosh, if this person is willing to give up this or change this habit um, or or sacrifice what they want so their so their spouse could have what they want. I think there's things in, in my life I can learn from that, definitely. And, and that was very impactful. And really, as you watch these people change, my own personal desire to, to get better in my own world, uh, I think, increased as well. Um, so, yeah. Todd? Yeah, success to me, um, I think I kind of measure it by using the word joy and the joy that I felt. Uh, from the different experiences that I went through. I think um, for me, one of the greatest things was being around the youth and um, feeling of their love for goodness and, and being obedient to the commandments and just really in a world that doesn't necessarily uh, care one way or another what they're doing, uh, to see them exemplify um, the good things in their life to others and uh, just that association it didn't have to be fancy events or necessarily any one activity that that made me feel like it was so awesome but um, just being around the youth of the church and sharing the gospel in common to me was um, was just second to none I mean Wednesday nights sometimes get, you know, every Wednesday night it's another. <laughs> but then you, you show up and, and you get around 12 or 14 priests or 16 priests and everybody wants to go do something and, and, and uh, or, or being around the laurels or, or any of the young women in, in any of their meetings. It just, there's just something about the youth of the church. And um, I, I find joy now in, how they're doing in school, college, weddings, uh, young men who return from missions and have completely changed. Mm -hmm. The gospels changed their life. I mean, they've, they've done marvelous work in the mission field, but on top of that, they're a whole new person. And, um, I, I just think those, those kind of things similar to what Sam mentioned in, in other ways, um, that that younger generation to watch them continue on and, and progress in their lives is just 
that's a success to me to see those kind of things happen for them because you see the the way that it affects future generations for them and their family mm-hmm. and uh, so that puts a smile on my face that's great you know two of the probably two of the most important responsibilities of a bishop are is to take is to, is to be mindful of the youth and to and to, and to watch over their growth and their spiritual needs and, and be there for them that's one of the mm-hmm. number one things for bishop the second is to help people through the repentance process you know uh, our faith like many faiths it's uh, confession is something that somebody will do as part of a repentance for us it's scriptural but there are many uh, churches too that rely upon confession to help people um, show their humility before God and to be able to uh, begin the process of changing their life or repenting. Um, tell me about um, some of the, the miracles of forgiveness uh, that that you that you experienced, that the feelings and things you observed in that process as a bishop. Yeah, I like the way you use the word help in conjunction with confession because I I always felt that when you're in that situation across from the desk from somebody who has heavy things that they need to visit about, um, they're, they're really looking for help. Mm-hmm. And um, it's at that moment you realize, I, I, I hope I can do this because that, you know, as Sam mentioned, there's several things we're not professionally qualified to do. Um, but that, that really is a very serious and heavy responsibility to help people that have typically, um, for whatever reason, fallen under the influence of the adversary to a point where they don't necessarily understand or feel for their own selves that they can get out of whatever they're in. Mm -hmm. And um, that has varying degrees to it. And uh, to not be in that situation yourself, you really don't know how that person across the desk truly feels and what their greatest fears and anxieties are. Um, so, um, that, that really, you know, I've mentioned the word humbling a few times tonight and that regardless of the situation that makes you feel very humble. And, um, the, some of the greatest joys in serving as a bishop came from watching people, uh, make changes themselves in their own life after they've realized, boy, I, I need to make a change. I've done something wrong to whatever degree that is and see them put in the effort and the hard work that is associated with getting them themselves back on the path and, um, feeling that they have a testimony, feeling that they're okay, that they're worthy again. Um, that repentance process in every situation is unique. And uh, for that reason, um, I think to see people make those steps and those changes is just a great joy. Thank you. Sam, thoughts? Yeah, I <clears throat> I agree with, with Tyler. There's there's no greater joy than seeing people change and, and decide for themselves. That's one thing as a bishop is, you know, you don't, you don't hand people out a, a list of do this and do this or else you can't come back. I mean, it's every person's unique and different and, and they need certain things that other people don't need and other people need things that that person doesn't need. But 
But you, you mentioned the, the miracle of forgiveness. It truly is a miracle. And, and when I think about forgiveness, I always used to love to, to share. There's a scripture that says, you know, this is how you know that someone is truly repentant. They, they forsake, they confess their sins and they forsake their sins. And obviously we know what confession is and forsaking means that they, that they try not to repeat that. Um, and as imperfect as we are, sometimes we repeat sins, but eventually when, when forsaking happens and, and people are able to, uh, to not fall into those same bad habits, maybe over and over, the, the scripture says that I, the Lord, remember them no more. I remember their sins no more. And, and I think watching the miracle of forgiveness, the, the hardest thing for, for people to do was forgive themselves. You know, it could be easy for me as a bishop to say, hey, I, I really feel like because of the way you're living and the choices you've been making, I feel like the Lord's forgiven you. And I, and I hope that you can find a way to remove that burden from your own shoulders. And, and people are just, we're very hard on ourselves, you know. And, and so I think that when, when people could understand that uh, true confession and forsaking, you know, and living and changing, that's, that's what repentance is. True repentance is, is demonstrated by a change of behavior. And when that change of behavior takes place, uh, I truly believe, as the Scripture promises, that the Lord remembers those sins no more. And, and we have a clean slate, and we can move forward with that, with that clean conscience. Um, but I just feel like one of the—I I talk about this with a brother of mine a lot that I have, and, and we say, you know, I, I think that one of the most wonderful things for God about being God uh, perhaps is being able to be merciful especially at times when it is unexpected and undeserved. And so I think about that definition of, of mercy. You know, mercy is, is most openly received when it's unexpected and, and oftentimes felt that it's undeserved. And to see people that, that would experience the mercy that comes through the atonement of Jesus Christ and being able to be forgiven and being able to move forward, um, they didn't expect it. They often felt that they didn't deserve it. But when they felt it in their lives and when they truly, you know, had that experience and that change of heart, you could see it. You could see a countenance change. And, uh, you know, it, it was a very uh, uncomfortable and, and oftentimes awkward position maybe to be in at the beginning when someone confesses sins. But but then it's that's where the rubber meets the road. Like that's where, you know, a, a bishop really has to kind of tune in to the spirit more so than any other time and and, and, and listen a lot and, and ask questions to understand and then give hope and give peace. And sometimes that comes through a scripture or a quote from a prophet or other church leaders. Or other times it just comes from a, an inspired statement that, that uh, maybe I won't ever remember again or something. But, but yeah, truly, truly a miracle to, to watch. You, you cannot, I think, I think uh, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, one of our church leaders, said you cannot outsin the atonement you you cannot do anything that Jesus Christ cannot rescue you from it's impossible and to think that you are unforgivable uh, would undermine the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ and and gosh that's a statement I wish I would have heard when I was bishop I think I've heard it since uh, but that's that's what I would what I would say about forgiveness is you cannot outsin the atonement you cannot fall further than what the Savior's reach uh, can find. Thank you. Thank you both. I, If I may just share a little observation of my, I, I did serve as a bishop two years ago, and 
And you talked, you both have talked about this when someone comes and unloads their this burden that they're carrying. And it wasn't uncommon for someone to say to me, "Bishop, I'm so sorry to put this burden on you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would, yeah. in my mind, I would smile. I think, my goodness, Thank you. heavenly, I mean, Jesus Christ has taken this burden. This is the greatest joy I can experience is to watch you yeah. unload this and move ahead. The, and I just want to say the real burdens I have are the people complaining about the Sunday school teacher. Yeah. You know, or people <laughs> fighting about the dumbest little things or disagreeing. It reminds me of a, a pastor that I my friends with here in town. He said, oh, yes, there's people in my church, their spiritual gift is whining. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it, just, it, it made me chuckle because it's so hard for... Uh, in any organization, if we don't like something, we feel like got to go to complain to somebody. Yeah. And that, to me, as a bishop, was the biggest burden. It was not helping people uh, through their sins. That was the joy. Yeah. It was people not being able to practice in their own life forgiveness of another person or to learn. That was my experience. I don't know if yeah. you experienced the same uh, thing. But 100% agree. Uh, yeah. I, always, I always felt it seemed like in a, in a situation that you just described, um, I would almost always end the interview with, will you just take a deep breath and realize it's going to be okay? Yeah. And the look on a on another person's face to sit there and actually take that in for just a minute, it didn't take away the situation that was at hand, but to realize that it was going to be okay because of the atonement, because of the Savior. And um, yeah, it, it was that wasn't a burden. To me, at that point, yeah, yeah, I remember some of those types of conversations, and the, the first thing often that I remember I would say is thank you, when someone mm-hmm. offloads. I hate to put this burden on you, but, but yeah, I would get kind of excited, and I would say, gosh, thank you. You know what else? You know, here we are. Let's just get it all out, clean slate, because truly, you were grateful. You were grateful when people of their own will decided I got to make some changes, and so it was. I w- I always enjoyed expressing gratitude. Um, when people came in, because it had to have been tough. You know, you feel like sometimes the bishop's office is like the principal's office, and you only go there if you got in trouble. But it, it, it's so much not that way. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I think that by and by I understood more how difficult it was for someone to come to that point where they would come to see the bishop for something that was a challenge. And so I would always express gratitude and thank you for, and like Tyler said, help them just feel, hey, this is real. Just breathe for a minute. Here we are. We're doing this. You know, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And, and more importantly, you know, the promise of, of the Savior's atonement is there for you every step of the way. Yeah. So. I think in the overall, when you, when you grow up in the church, you, you kind of get that, not stigma, but you kind of have that feeling that, if I gotta go talk to the bishop, I'm in deep trouble. Yeah, and, and don't I, let anybody see me walk down the yeah. hall. Yeah, and I think, you know, if anything that we could maybe do a little better in that regard, it's it's help young kids, young people understand that what the atonement is to that to that extent, as opposed to let's just talk about right from wrong, and then if you make a mistake that's really bad, then you go to the bishop. And and I don't know that that's an intentional mindset. I think. Um, I mean, I was young too before, and I and I know that's just kind of how it happens. But I always, you know, you, I can't say it enough. I just I love the opportunity to help somebody feel better mm-hmm. by starting that process with that conversation. And, yeah, and, uh, it, it was. Uh, I, 
honestly a highlight of being a bishop was to help somebody take advantage of the atonement. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really the Absolutely. yeah yeah. So, so we've talked about several things as we get to the end here. Um, when you know, we talked about some of the the difficulties. We talked about the challenges. We've talked about the joys. Um, but when it comes to to the ward as a whole working together to to build Zion, okay? If we're going to work together to build Zion, it is not on the shoulders of a bishop to do that, is it? it how how do we work together as a ward to 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 um, just become what we're trying to become, and not think it's just the bishop's responsibility? How do how do they help the bishop and and this in the ward? Yeah, there's that's a that's a great point. Um, I think a lot of times a bishop is is looked to okay, tell us what to do and we'll do it, and and people will always maybe have that kind of a mindset. But I think more so, especially recently, you know, our our church has emphasized uh, a more home centered, church supported um, um, lifestyle, and so a, a bishop maybe has taken, especially in this last year, a, a bishop has has not been quite as present in front of the members of the ward as maybe they typically would be. And so I, I think that as, you know, as, as members of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and as, as people in general, it starts, it starts in our homes. It starts with our families. And, and the families are, are the backbone of a community and of a society. And if, and if families are strong, then everything else kind of just works out. And so I think a, a way to really help the work of the Lord move forward uh, is to find ways in our own homes just to, to strengthen our marriages, to strengthen our families, to help our kids grow up with a, a grateful mindset and an attitude of gratitude and, and work for what you have and appreciate what you have and give what you have. Um, you know, I, I, I heard a quote one time that says that if you – if you feel like your 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 means are are greater this year than they were last year, don't increase your standard of living, uh, but increase your standard of giving. And so I think in our homes, that's where it starts. And then when a bishop calls and says, "Hey, I need a primary teacher," and I just felt like you were the one to take this little class of six-year-olds, and you know that might be the most scary thing <laughs> in the world for a person to do, but saying yes. Yes, Bishop, thank you for that opportunity. I feel like it's going to be a challenge, and so don't keep me in here for too long, but for the time that you need me, you know, or whatever the calling may be, I think supporting supporting the bishop and, and accepting a call to serve uh, is certainly one small thing that we can all do, but it starts in the home. And so if, if we can strengthen our homes and, and help, uh, help our family members uh, know that we're all on the same team, we're all in this together, uh, yes, the bishop is is blessed uh, when he is set apart as a bishop with priesthood keys of leadership, uh, authority, the the blessing of being able to receive revelation for those members of his ward. Um, there are things that only a bishop can do, but they're very few. Uh, everything else can be done by everyone else. And and recently with the invitation to minister to each other, not just members of our own faith, but our neighbors and our friends who live near us in our own community. Um, we can minister to each other, and, and that definitely takes a burden off of a bishop. A, a bishop worries about every member of his ward, no doubt. Um, but if he knows that everyone else is worrying about each other, 
uh, then he doesn't have to worry quite as much. It's always there, but it's helped. It's lessened significantly uh, if we if we just take care of each other. Perfect. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, I th those are really good suggestions. I um, agree with that fact. Of it really starts within our families, and uh, sometimes you find that people who feel things are not the way they want them to be uh, need the recipe for success and that is just to be anxiously engaged in the good cause right mm -hmm. I've I found that uh, the more people were living the gospel and I'm not saying perfect I'm just saying I'm not yeah just doing things that are, are good serving helping where they can uh, trying to do the things that make a difference in their own homes that that really is what supporting a bishop means because all all the bishop's doing is trying to lead everyone to that path which is uh to happiness and so um anytime you can show additional love and support and be empathetic and and uh, kind to those around you in the ward and understand that people are different than you um not everybody likes a gray car or a white house or whatever it may be and they do things different than you might but working together um, people can bring about wonderful things in a ward and um, those those kind of things are what really makes a bishop happy about serving and uh, seeing growth like that in in his own ward so um I guess that'd probably be my my thoughts on what what makes a bishop happy, or or how we can help bishops. Yeah. Look for the what can I do's well before the complaints and the the whining that you alluded to. That sometimes you know those those spiritual gifts of whining sometimes sound the loudest, right? And um, they don't help out very much. Yeah, you know, and and thank you both because really in the end, it's not like we're we're not supporting the bishop as much as we're supporting the cause of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's all he's aligned with. And he's just been given a temporary assignment to try to try to help us all keep focused on that with some very specific duties. But really it's it's the work of all of us, isn't mm -hmm. it? We're supporting the Savior. Well, thank you both so, so much for coming today. You bet. Thank you. Yeah. It was great to have you and uh, and we hope that you keep on doing great things in your post bishop years. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Thank you to Caden Keller, Lindy Bauer, Casey Maddox, Rachel Bauer, Kaylee Christensen, John Freeman, Don Ricker, Jesus Gomez, Rich Petrie, and DJ Holiday. Thank you for listening to One Heart, One Mind. We hope that you have felt inspiration and hope in moving towards Zion. As always, thank you, and may the Lord bless you.